Welcome to the Covenant Companions Covcast, and hello, Kathy Norman Peterson. Hi, Ed Gilbreth. We are back with another action-packed episode, and uh, this one promises to be uh, a very challenging one for me because we are diving deep in a topic that I honestly, I have to confess, uh, don't have a lot of experience in, yet I, I know it's a, um, a subject that's very important and near and dear to a lot of covenanters. We're talking about spiritual practices, right? That is correct. And um, I'm going to sort of step back and, and uh, just be the student during this, this episode and allow you and our guests to sort of school me and school our audience <laughs> on, you know, just what, what's happening in that, that realm of, of spiritual practices, spiritual direction. Honestly, uh, I, I don't mean to, to um, you know, minimize the importance. I think it's a, um, a fascinating topic and clearly one that has... Uh, throughout the covenant, uh, helped a lot of folks reconnect and find deeper connection with God. And so we want to explore a little bit of that today. And for someone like me, help uh, give some ideas for how uh, a novice can sort of enter into that world of spiritual practice to um, incorporate some of those uh, some of those tools and techniques into uh, our own uh, journey and experience with God. I think we should go to Diana and hear what she has to say. Well, we want to welcome Diana Shiflett to the CovCast. Hey, Diana. Hello, Ed. Diana, you are the pastor of spiritual formation at Naperville Covenant Church uh, outside of Chicago, correct? Correct. And full disclosure, I've got to give that note here. Diana is one of my pastors. <laughs> I attend Naperville Cove, so I'm excited today to be able to welcome Diana and to um, say congratulations on your new, your first, my actually, first, your first book, yeah. Spiritual Practices in Community, Drawing Groups into the Heart of God. So welcome, and we're going to talk a little bit about the book, but before we jump all the way in, we want to get a little background uh, in terms of uh, how did this book come into being? You know, why did you write it? Where did it come from? Yeah, that is a really good question. So um, it goes back to uh, several years ago. I felt like God put a book on my heart, but I didn't know what it was. And I don't know if that's a thing with most authors. You just know you're supposed to write something from your ministry experience. Um, and it just so happens that an IVP, I have a university press person was sitting uh in, in uh, the congregation the day that I was talking about it in a sermon. And a couple of years later, she approached me and said, I think I know what your book is supposed to be about. And it it was, I was leading spiritual practices during a six-week uh, sermon series. So it was really one of those moments. And it all came together in that moment where I had talked to lots and lots of people after I would lead spiritual practices not at my church, and they would say, how do you do this? Can you teach me how to do this? And we'd have a five-minute conversation, but I always thought, I wish I could give them more of my time um, so that they could take this uh, further in their own in their own context. So that's really where it came from, is just knowing I wanted to pass it on um, bigger than just what I, I was doing so that people could connect with God and each other. It's really the big, big piece. So you're kind of pointing to this a little bit, I think, but I want to ask it anyway. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's a lot of books on spiritual practices out there. Yes. So what, why do we need yours? Yes. So that is a great question. And that's actually why InterVarsity approached me is there aren't any books out there that teach the leader how to lead spiritual practices well. There are lots of books about spiritual practices and doing them um, solo, but there aren't many out there that teach the uh, leader how to lead them and not just lead them, but then engage the group in community. So even though we would be sitting in silence, we then share with one another so that it really becomes real in our in our lives rather than just this little uh, moment you have in your head mm. and you go home, but it became real because you said it out loud with, mm. with a group of people. It's very powerful to have that kind of experience, and we, we don't do it very much. So I need to go all the way to, to zero okay. uh, because I'm not a spiritual, you probably know I'm not a spiritual <laughs> practices sort of guy. Um, so if we're beginning with just definitions of what do you mm-hmm. mean by spiritual practices? Mm-hmm. I think of spiritual practices for myself is a way of practicing how you can actually engage with the living God. So that's not necessarily the way that everyone would define it, but that's how I would define it. Um, Others might say they are these ancient practices that people have been doing um, through the centuries. Mm -hmm. But I think then we lose sight of what it really has to offer, which is, we can practice engaging with God even in new ways. So in, in my book, there are 30 different ways that you can engage with God, that you can practice engaging with God. Some of them are ancient, but some of them are things that I have learned have worked in um, ministry in the last 23 years, giving these um, to groups and, and people realizing that they can they can meet with God personally. Um, and then my book takes it one step further of not just doing it personally, but 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 engaging with one another um, after you've had this personal experience with God as well. So if I were to define it, it is simply creative ways to meet with God. So Diana, could you give us examples like what, like, I'm a little bit familiar with the ancient practices, but mm-hmm. can you give us your different categories, like the ancient and new? Yeah. So um, the ancient, uh, our Lectio Divina would be one of the ancient ones. Um, Foster writes about palms up, palms down. Um, I've made up <laughs> some, some of them that I have in my book. Um, the, the first one that's in the book is... Uh, my thoughts versus God's thoughts, and that's one that um, I started to use years ago to help people start in silence, because sitting in silence takes practice, and you can sit in silence and think about not things of God, and so that's basically what the practice is about. So, so in a way, there's kind of three categories, ancient, little more uh, recent, and then things that I, that I have found work in ministry cool. along the way. Yeah. So if somebody is um, resistant <laughs> to the whole concept of spiritual practices because it feels too interior or scary or something, what would you say to them? 
I usually say, because in the, the arenas that I'm in, there's always someone in the room that feels that way. And so I always, I always say, please just try this one. If this one doesn't work for you, you never have to do it again. <laughs> um, but you're going to be sitting here anyway, and so why don't you try it? If it doesn't work, don't use it again. But if, if you love it, you can use it again. Um, I've, I've, uh, I have had a woman in my Bible study a couple of years ago, and I said that about journaling. And she's like, oh, I hate journaling. I, I never have liked journaling. It doesn't work for me. I said, well, let's just do it. <laughs> We're all going to do it together. So let's journal. Um, and I usually keep them really tight when we're doing them in community. So maybe five minutes of journaling is all I'm asking for. And most people can at least be quiet for five minutes. And most people can even write for five minutes. And so she tried. And um, I, months later, she shared with the whole group, I've been journaling for the last seven oh, months yeah. every day. Uh, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So even though you've even tried something once, trying it in a different way, in a different arena can even shift how you're using it. Another example is I was teaching a little kid's uh, Sunday school class recently. And I said, OK, while I read the scripture, you're going to draw the scriptures. And she's like, I hate to draw. <laughs> this is a rough crowd. <laughs> and so I said, well, how about if we all just try to draw? I'm not very good either. And I'll do it too. And, and then if we don't like it, we can talk about how much we don't like it afterwards. And so we did it. And I was drawing terrible pictures because I'm trying to read and draw at the same <laughs> time. But I thought maybe this will help. And at the end, she she said, that was really fun. I actually engaged with it. And when I taught that same class just two weeks ago, she didn't complain at all and just engaged with what we were doing and was all in. So That would probably be about my speed. <laughs> <laughs> drawing. Yep. Yeah. Why is this important for the church? Mm. I think this is important for the church on um, two levels. The first level is we've got to find more ways that we are um, engaging directly with the living God instead of having someone else tell us how to experience the living God. So that's, that's number one. The second is the community piece if we only engage with God and we don't engage with one another spiritually, then we're these little silos that almost like, what's the point of coming to church? <laughs> so my, my heart for this book is that it, it takes it to two levels, that people come into church and they are engaging with God, number one, and then engaging with each other, which is really the whole premise that Jesus set up a long time ago and that he wanted for us. We've lost sight of it. We're a very independent society now. And um, with the beautiful advancement of technology, we, we are very disconnected from one another, even though we're very connected mm -hmm. via technology. Um, when I first started doing youth ministry 23 years ago, if I walked into a room or came down the hallway and there were teenagers in the room, I knew there were teenagers in the room. Now you can stand in the hallway for an hour and never know that they're in the room. Because <laughs> it's so quiet? Yes. Yeah. They don't talk to each other mm -hmm. verbally anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think we're catching that as adults as well now. So, So it's a way of 
learning to use our, our voices with one another again mm. uh, in, with using these spiritual practices, specifically in community and connecting with one another. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Well, Diana, we appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you'd want to share that you want our listeners to know before we... Yeah, I, I think one of the things that um, I wanted to offer to everybody that's listening is that I, I do have a website, spiritualpracticesincommunity.blog. I'm not really blogging on it yet. I might I might be, but on there, there will be resources. There's four spiritual practices and how I would lead them for free. They're written up and um Pretty soon there'll probably be a video on there as well that you could even hit play and lead a group of people cool. with it. So it really will be a place where people could uh, try it out even before they buy the book. Um, if if this uh, airs before uh, the end of December, you can get a pre-order 30% off using pre, P-R-E, 4648. So that's a way that you can get 30% off and get the book. And it's for sale um, on InterVarsity Press. It's also for sale on Amazon. Great deal. See, (laughs) listeners of the Cubcast getting these special bargains and opportunities by uh, joining us. Wonderful. Well, great. Well, the book is Spiritual Practices in Community by Diana Shiflett, my pastor. And so excited uh, for you, Diana, and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, how God uses the book out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. Diana. You're so that was a very uh, good time talking to my pastor there, Diana Shiflett, and uh, learning a little bit about uh, spiritual practices and how ordinary folk can sort of incorporate it into their uh, spiritual walks. Um, but I'm curious, because you've got a little bit more experience in this area than I do, Kathy Norman-Peterson. Could you share a little bit about your own journey with spiritual practices and how it's helped you? I think uh, spiritual practices, the, just that term can be a little intimidating if you don't tend to be an introvert or a super reflective in your faith, but you tend to be maybe a little more communal or uh, spontaneous, maybe. Um for me, I grew up in with some pretty legalistic understandings of how to engage God. And I thought that if you didn't have a certain, a very specified regiment every morning, God was going to be unhappy with you. So spiritual practices was a bit like when I kind of discovered that you could read the Bible in this more thoughtful, chew on it kind of way, rather than just mm-hmm. getting through all the books of the Bible really fast. Um that really opened up my understanding of how to engage God. It's liberating. It was, really. Uh, I like what Diana talks about, this community idea of spiritual practices. Like, to be honest, my experience has been kind of individualistic or individualized um, sometimes. And the idea that, like where she said, if we only engage God but not others spiritually, then what's the point of coming to church? Boy, that's pretty challenging because I think it's easy to just go sit in church and mm-hmm. not bring your full self, maybe. Right. So I, I'm convicted by that. This is really a, the, the subject. As someone who's fairly new to the covenant, coming in, I immediately sort of picked this up as being a, a very important uh, sort of uh, um, element of of mini covenanter's journey. And I'm curious if you could reflect a little bit of 
on that and how uh, that came to be in terms of you know uh, spiritual direction, spiritual practices taking such a significant role in, in covenant life. I think our association of spiritual directors is very um, strong and robust. I think North Park has the Weborg Center for Spiritual Direction, which mm-hmm. has been around uh, quite a while. And so it's part of the formative experience of our seminarians. Um, and I think we have great leaders throughout the covenant who really um, understand the riches that we can glean and develop from um, intentional ways of engaging God. And I, I think that's just kind of spread throughout the denomination. So yeah. that's my experience. <laughs> oh. Well, that's really cool. And I, I honestly, it's one of the things I love about the covenant. It's uh, one of those uh, areas where, I mean, there's, there's such a variety of ways to sort of enter in into mm-hmm. deeper relationship with God and with our brothers and sisters and uh, that's just one that, that brings a lot of richness. And so very grateful for um, uh, that experience and for folks like Diana trying to help us uh, make it more accessible for mm-hmm. those of us who need, need our hands held a little bit in, in exploring these things. I think she's good at, at making space for it to be a thing that you try and not this right or wrong, not a new version of legalistic practices, right? And right. so that she says, try it and see... Uh, if this is a way for you to connect with God. And I think that leads us well into our next guest today, who is a a practitioner and leader in spiritual practices. Yes. Nawana Nolan is the Minister of Community Development at Kingdom Covenant Church in Chicago, where the senior pastor is David Washington. But Nawana is also a very good friend of the Covenant Companion, having having uh, written many articles for us and and uh, contributed in lots of different ways. So we're excited to have Nawana uh, as a guest on the Covcast, uh, and she actually has an article coming up in the January February issue of the Companion that uh, provides a, a very unique and easy way to enter into uh, spiritual practices. So let's listen to Noana now. Okay, so Noana, here's my first question for you. Um, you wrote an article for us recently on um, a your experience of a unique spiritual practice. And I was wondering if you could tell us, how did you first encounter spiritual practices? You talked a little bit about kind of your your life of faith and your background, but can you tell us a little, like, just how did you become involved in this way of expression, expressing faith? I think it was probably um, during my time in seminary. The faith tradition in which I grew up didn't really um, look at spiritual practices beyond, you know, kind of prayer, fasting, you know, getting up at the crack of dawn type of deal. And it really wasn't until I was in seminary and started to explore through spiritual formation courses as well as other books I was reading and just discovered really the variety of options that there were out there. Was there something that drew you initially? Like what what was the first place that you kind of hooked in? I think that probably one of the things that stood out to me the most was when I took um, journaling as a spiritual practice as one of my electives and prior to that I've been a fairly regular journaler um, but I had never looked at it um, 
as a spiritual practice. And so that kind of drew me in just kind of seeing something, I guess, in, in from my perspective, it was a, a non-traditional way. Um, and then I think for me, I've gravitated toward um, practices that sometimes are kind of art based in some sort of a way or, or have some level of creativity connected to them. So now can you tell us about Labyrinth? <laughs> Which is funny because I guess technically it doesn't fall into that category of creative yeah. ways of expressing yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as I now contradict myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it... Um, I didn't expect to connect with it. So it was I was co co leading a workshop and my co facilitator was actually Paul Denai. Um Paul was leading the group in the spiritual practice to start us off and um you know, he said, Well, if you if you wanna participate, feel free and I honestly didn't expect any like major um experiences 'cause it's you know, it's just this this labyrinth on a piece of paper. How deep can you go there? But um, I think maybe there's something to the tactile nature of it um, that you, you know, your finger is on on this paper, and you, there's some focus that is required in the process. And I think the more I I've done it, the more I kind of see um, why it's a good practice for me. Which is what? Maybe a few reasons. Like it it requires me to slow down. And, and to really pay attention. Um, so I, I think I have a tendency, you know, at any given moment, my mind is racing. I've got tons of things going, you know, to-do lists and story ideas and um, different types of things. And so it's really easy if you don't focus when you're, you're using the finger labyrinth that um, you'll lose your place. And then, you know, you just kind of like, wait, where was I? And so... Mm-hmm. Just something that simple, it forces me to really have to pay attention to what I'm doing and not um, let my mind wander off. So it's it's a good focus activity, a good slow down and really kind of listen to God activity. I'm wondering if you have advice for people that haven't tried this kind of practice before or who are open to kind of trying new ways to pray like this. Like, how would you invite somebody else in? I guess I borrow the phrase from Nike and <laughs> say, just do it. Um, <laughs> I And I, I think that's, that's why um, I wouldn't know if I hadn't have tried it. You know, that I had some skepticism. I was kind of hesitant, but I decided to just jump in and try it anyway. And sometimes I think when you go into things without expectations, um, you know, there's no bar. <laughs> And you you often will end up obviously exceeding expectations, but really just kind of being surprised. And so I think if people go into it um, without, like not to get, not to pressure yourself, you know, don't go into it thinking, I've got to get a really deep revelation. Just see what happens. <laughs> One thing I appreciate about Nawana is her um, sharing this experience with us in a way that really does feel like, oh, I kind of understand it better now. I was, we were 
I was a little skeptical about the whole finger labyrinth thing. Yeah. Like, if you're not yeah. moving, how can it matter? Or how can it be meaningful? And I feel like she really helps me get that. Like, how it, it yeah. you don't have to be moving your full self, right? You right. can still engage God in this way that it just doesn't seem like it would, quote unquote, work, I think. Yes, we are very grateful to Noana for coming on and helping us think more creatively about spiritual practices and how to make them more accessible in our own uh, devotional lives. So thanks for that. And I'm actually curious to know what some of our listeners out there are doing. Um, I know that there are folks out there who are very deep into uh, this area, and it would be great to learn from them. And uh, so we'd like to welcome our listeners. What do you think, Kathy, if we uh, just uh, invited our listeners to maybe email us at communication at covchurch.org to share some of their ideas and some of their, uh, some of the techniques and tools that they've used to um, incorporate spiritual practices into their their devotional life. I love that idea. Yeah. So if you're listening and you've got some ideas to share that you want the whole community to know about, would you do that? Would you go to uh, your email and and type in communication at covchurch.org and share with us uh, some of your ideas? I am. I am. I am. I am a finance manager. I am a granddaughter. I am overwhelmed. I am loved. I am seeking to make a difference. I am a proud adoptive parent. I am Puerto Rican. I am happy. (laughs) I am a mess. (laughs) I am a fighter. I am a mother. I am a feminist. I am a grandmother. I am pastor. I am a planter. I am healing. I am a leader. I'm creative. I am my father's daughter. I am fighting cancer. I am. I am. I am the daughter. The daughter. I am the daughter. The daughter. The daughter of the great. I am. And we are back and uh, ready to hear from uh, some of the covenant community out there about uh, why they love the cove. And we have a, a special uh, guest who will share with us right now. So what do you think, Kathy? Is it time? I think it's time. It is time. The moment I've been waiting for. <laughs> why we love the cove. Hi, I'm Dwayne Tassell, and I'm the pastor at Eastridge Covenant Church in Portland, Oregon. And uh, the reason why I love the Cove is because of our commitment to change lives. What we've phrased as new life in Christ, because the Covenant is where I found new life in Christ. It's where I found my love for the Bible and for the Gospel specifically. And um, the thing about the Cove is that we we we've developed over the years a we will go to them rather than they can come to us kind of attitude. And uh, just as an anecdotal thing, for example, in our own church, we have the we've give, have the freedom in our uh, covenant family to develop things like an arts ministry, where we had a have a, a theater company that works out of our church, and these um, actors come to us. Many of them uh, aren't believers, and they can't believe that a church would be willing to to uh, do this kind of thing. 
In fact, we have had some people, like one uh, of our young guys that was um, acting uh, in our Easter play uh, last year, he came and he was not a believer. He was clear about that, but he was, you know, warm to the fact that we were doing this. And over the course of his acting role and about uh, the story about the resurrection of Jesus, he came to faith. And uh, it was just one of those reminders to me that we're in a um, denominational tribe that says we will go to them, we will do whatever it takes to reach people with the gospel because we know what's it, what Jesus has done for us and uh, we want everybody else to see it and uh, want everybody else to be able to experience new life in Christ and the freedom and the hope that comes from that. And in the age in which we live, I think that's that's the most important thing we could possibly be a part of. So that's why I love the Cuff. All right. Thank you very much. That was Dwayne Tissell, pastor of East Ridge Covenant Church in Portland, Oregon, sharing with us. And we are grateful for uh, his voice on the Covcast. Well, with that, I believe we have reached the end of another exciting episode of the Covenant Companions Covcast. Kathy Norman Peterson. Woohoo! Yes, uh, it's great. We've learned a lot. We've spent some time reflecting on spiritual practices, and we've uh, had heard from some very uh, uh, brilliant and uh, creative folks about how they enter into that. And now. I don't have to repeat everything that we've done already because we've lived through that, right? <laughs> I don't think you do. <laughs> but I do have to tell folks about um, some of the great stuff that they can uh, get. First of all, you have to know that this Covcast is made possible by the Covenant Companion. And we need folks, if you're not already a subscriber, even if you are a subscriber already, you can give it as a gift. You need to go to CovenantCompanion.com and look up in the right-hand corner and subscribe, 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 support the Companion because we are all about connecting the Covenant community. We also have a great uh, announcement about another Covenant publication. What can you tell us about what's going on with the Covenant Home Altar, Kathy? The Home Altar has a fresh new look. It looks It's amazing. We've got some great designers that kind of um, reworked the appearance of the book. So go to cubbooks.com and get your copy today. The, the new look starts in January. Awesome. Lots of hard work went into that. And one more thing, if you're if you're listening to this uh, um, before Christmas, uh, it's there's still time to download your free copy of the Companions Advent Devotional. Just go to covenantcompanion.com slash Advent Devo, and there's a, a free uh, daily Advent Devotional there for you as our gift to you. So, hey, that about does it. We are very grateful for this uh, time that we've been able to spend with you. And we will be back, Lord willing. Um, but for now, uh, we want to thank, um, uh, well, I want to thank you, Kathy, for putting up with me. But we also <laughs> want to thank Eric Staswick, our, our producer, and the rest of the Covenant Communications team for uh, all their hard work in bringing this CovCast to you. And we will be back soon, and we hope you will too.